Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Today for you, we have a basketball-themed podcast. Tyler Mansfield, who is our head basketball writer at VandySports.com, will make his podcast debut as we will talk about the team and take a ton of questions from the mailbag in the midst of this basketball season. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Today's news presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at SB Injury Law and please tell them you heard about them on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Not a lot of news to report today as we do this on a Wednesday. Vanderbilt's still waiting to make several football hires. Meanwhile, the basketball season has been paused. Vanderbilt was supposed to originally play Missouri on Tuesday night. Missouri had to pull out of that game and postpone that to another date, which has not been determined because of its COVID issue. Now, Vanderbilt has a COVID issue as well. In the meantime, it had scheduled a game with Tennessee and Nashville to replace that game. That game was postponed. The Commodores are slated to travel to Knoxville to play the balls on Saturday. We will wait and see if that one happens. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spy-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Tyler Mansfield is joining us for the first time on the podcast. Tyler is our basketball writer at VandySports.com. Tyler, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, Chris, it's a pleasure to be on for the first time. I'm excited. Well, we've got basketball to talk, or, or maybe not basketball. The Commodores have paused their season for the time being. I get the sense they're going to play in Knoxville, maybe. Um, we had someone from Media Relations reach out to us to see if either of us could attend the game Saturday, uh, which we can't, uh, in Knoxville, which I took that as, as maybe a sign they'll play. <laughs> but uh, anyway, at least Vanderbilt had gotten better in our last glimpses. Uh, a three-point loss at Kentucky. 
a three-point loss to Mississippi State at home. Uh, ball in the air for a final shot both times. Neither fell, although one of them was about a 75-foot attempt by Jordan Wright. But anyway, last you saw, what's your impression on where this team is? You know, uh, I think they're playing well. I think this is a team where, you know, coming through the season, obviously ranked, you know, last in the FCC in the preseason poll, people counting them out. But I think Vanderbilt has players. They've got a lot of good guys I've seen just from my first, you know, six, seven games covering them. And they're guys that can play with, with teams in the SEC. Uh, I mean, lost by three to UK, lost by three to Mississippi State. Um, obviously got Alabama to come and teams like that. And others are really good. Tennessee, obviously, this week. But I think they're 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 a team that can play. It's just I think it's a matter of finding the right lineups, finding the right matchups, and, you know, th- those sorts of things. But I've, I've seen good things. I think it's just – I think the biggest weakness right now is the, the post play because, you know, Cleveland Brown's been in and out with injuries and COVID-19 issues. Um, Clip Malora Brown's a good player. It's just he doesn't, he doesn't match up well with some of the bigger guys like Tolu Smith from Mississippi State in the league. So I think it's about finding the right matchups and moving forward from there. Well, one guy that I think has exceeded expectations is Scotty Pippen Jr., who I think had, what, 18 points and 12 assists against State. It's just been putting up numbers every night. I don't think he's been below 18 points yet. What are your thoughts as you watch him play? He's a phenomenal player. You know, obviously, you know, being the son of one of the NBA greats of you know all, all time, I, I, I expectations coming in that he'd be really good and fun to watch, and he definitely is. I think he's, he's the floor general. He's the leader on the court. Uh, the way he can attack the rim just just is, is incredible. And of course, he's so good with the with the ball. He doesn't turn over much. I mean, twelve assists or thirteen assists, whatever it was, that's the most I think Benny's had in a, in a long time, and also his career high. Um, just he's so fun to watch, and he he finds guys, he makes guys better. I think him and Trey Thomas have a connection right now that looks really like, nice. And I mean, uh, him and Miles Studi too. I think he finds those guys in the right spots, and they can knock down shots, whether it's on the run or uh, just coming off screens, but. Scotty's a guy who who will give you 110%. I guess you know 30 minutes a game he plays nearly. There's no breaks for him really. He might go out for you know two or three minutes at a time, and then that's it. He's back in the game. But he's a phenomenal player. I think one of the best in the SEC. Um, let's talk about the rest of the team. Okay, you look at the minutes played, and I think it tells you a story. Scotty Pippen Jr. leads the team with 294 minutes. We are doing this one. Nine games in, uh, this is on a Wednesday, and the next scheduled game again is upcoming on Saturday in Knoxville as we do this. Dilla DeSue has logged 271 minutes, and then from that, you've got six players who have gone between 119 and 185 minutes. Those guys are Miles Studi, Jordan Wright, DJ Harvey, Trey Thomas, Quentin Memore Brown and Max Evans. Maybe that's actually, I guess it is six. So what we have is we have a clear number one player. We have a clear number two. They don't keep the Sioux off the court much more than they have to. The question is, who are their third and fourth best players? I've got an idea maybe, at least on third. Uh, but what are your thoughts? After that, who can they count on at this point? That's a really good question. Uh, I know you, you look up front at the main guys. That's Scotty Pippen Jr., Dylan DeSue. I think DeSue had a he had a flunk there, but he's came out of it. He's playing pretty well now. I think Jordan Wright showed some glimpses in a couple games this year that he can be a guy that's really good for him. Uh, I think the a guy right now to watch out for is Trey Thomas. I know he's a true freshman. Uh, he's but playing good basketball, and I'm 
I think he's a guy that could be a starter by, by the end of the season because because when he's on the court, I think Danny's better. I think he, he takes over the point guard role for a little bit, allows Scotty to free up and play the two for a little bit. I think Scotty likes that a lot too. And I think there's some other guys too, like for, for example, look down low. I mean, Miles Studi can play, you know, the, the, the three and four spots. He's a really good scorer. And I think a guy that we've been, uh, you know, harping on a lot this year is DJ Harvey. And I think he's a guy who had a good game. Uh, I guess I think it was Mississippi State. He scored uh, double digits there for the first time this season. He's been in the flunk. I think for a two-game stretch, he was one of 14 for two points. And, and he, used to, he was still starting. Stackhouse is staying with him. And I think he's progressed throughout the year. I think he's out of the slump now. I think he's getting better. But I think Scotty has help. It's just uh, dealing with Sue and him are the main two guys. And it's all about finding the next guys to step up. But I think some, some of those guys I mentioned are stepping up right now. Well, it's funny you said that. Miles Studi was the guy that I'm thinking is, is maybe their third best player, uh, and he was not one of the guys you mentioned just then. Which I think it's pretty telling when two guys who watch the team a lot are kind of sitting here struggling and we can't find an agreement on maybe a, a third or fourth guy. I think Thomas might be the fourth. But Studi's a freshman. It's kind of shown at times. He's had, what, those games where he's had 15, 16 points as he's come back, but he also plays – Oh, what is it, 24 minutes? Or I guess it was 20 minutes and 43 seconds against State, and he only had three points. I think defensively he had some troubles. Again, it's a freshman. Freshmen do these things, but what's your take on him? I think he's a guy who's, who, like like you said, progressing. Obviously, he's a freshman. is up and down. So there, there's some games where, like you said, he'll score 15 points, and you know, he'll shoot six of eight from the field. And looks really good. It's like a guy who could be starting for him for a team in the SEC. And then there's games where – I just he starts out sluggish and misses his first couple shots and kind of maybe gets in his head a little bit and he's not good from there. But he's a I think he's he has size for for being a you know a small forward type player maybe even even a shooting guard. But he's he's a guy who he, he can catch it and shoot it. He can uh, play off the dribble. Uh, I, I've, I've seen him some some glimpses where he plays well inside the paint too. So I think he reminds me of Dylan DeSue in a way because they're kind of the same size players. They do both the same things. Both have an outside shot. And I think over time he'll get better and better. But obviously for a freshman, I think he's doing some good things. And I think over time he'll, he'll continue to improve and maybe become that Dylan Stew type player. Let's go ahead and go to the mailbag if you're ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right, our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Call him today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at HQ or Facebook.com forward slash HQ. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business on our podcast. Mr. Vandy says, what have you seen from this team that should give fans hope going forward? I think the the key is they, they competed. I think the word is that they competed. Um, obviously, UK was a struggling team. They had a terrible non-conference uh, slate there for them. Obviously, two and six come to SEC play and they didn't play well last time against Alabama, but I think they, they, they showed glimpses with the win over Vanderbilt, and obviously they played really, really well uh, on the road at, at Florida and beat them by, you know, 18, 20 points it was. I think um, just just they, they lost that game by three points, but they competed in it. Uh, I think, you know, obviously, Mississippi State is a team that I think they're one of the best in the league just because they play old-school basketball. Uh, their bigs are really, really good. They're athletic. And I think that that's a game Vandy got down 10, 15 at times and fought back, and they were right there in – the last shot of the game. So I think uh, they're competing right now. They're, they're, they're not getting beat by, you know, double digits right now. Obviously, Florida got them pretty well. But I think they're they're competing and they'll continue to improve. 
You know, one other thing as I look at the stat sheet, the three-point shooting, they're going to be very reliant on that, right? They've got to have those fall to win. And even when they have them fall, uh, you know, you saw that happening at State. They hit 15 and they still lose the game. But you look down the stat sheet, Pippen 36.5%, he's hit 19. DeSue is 38.5%, he's hit 15. Studi is 13 to 26, that's excellent. Jordan Wright is 7 of 12. DJ Harvey, 10 to 29. He can pick that up a little bit probably. Uh, he started slow, but had a good game last time out. Troy Thomas, 16 to 38. So you've got maybe six guys right there who can shoot the three, and I think that's a good starting point when you talk about things uh, that can get people excited about the team. Yeah, like you said, they're, they're going to be a three-point shooting team. I mean, uh, this is a team that, you know, I guess Mississippi State, they hit, I think it was – can't remember the exact number. They had a great first half shooting. They carried over to the second. I think they'd get down by nine. They hit a couple threes and they're back into it. Uh, Trey Thomas had, had a great game against Mississippi State shooting the ball. He's a great three-point shooter for being a, you know, a, a small guy. Um, obviously, the Sue can step up shoot it. Pippen can knock them down, too. Just like Stackhouse coaches that NBA kind of style where uh, this team has to be able to shoot the ball in order to score and win. And I think uh, they have guys that can shoot it. So we'll see how they progress throughout the year. Here is an interesting question from VU Matt 23. Who do you think will end up the best player out of Studi, Thomas, and Jordan Wright? I think Thomas. I think it's Thomas and Studi will be close, but I think Thomas will uh, throughout his throughout the stretch. I, I think he's just a guy who shows a lot of potential. Um, obviously, he can play a point guard role. He can um, he can play the two guard and shoot. I think he catches and shoots so fast that defenders can't get to him in time. He might, he might be undersized a little bit for an SEC guard, but he can play really, really well, and I think his shot's very promising. HMHS says, I cannot recall if you were to travel with the team. If so, is there a road game you were especially looking forward to? I know that you were planning to go to Lexington. We had to cancel that kind of a couple days before the game because of some stuff that came up. But um, any road venues that you'd really like to make if you had the chance? You know, I've been to Rupp many times covering, you know, the Kentucky High School State Tournament. Uh, I've been I've been to watch games at Vanderbilt, obviously. I've been to Mississippi State one time. I've been to Auburn. been to Alabama. But one I've always wanted to go to is uh, Texas A&M in College Station. I've heard it's a really cool place, and watching games on TV there has been pretty cool. I know it's a long way away, but maybe one day I'll get down to A&M. But obviously, a different one, too. I was able to go tour one time. I haven't seen a game there. It was Florida down there at the Swamp. It's a cool cool venue, and I think I like to watch a game there sometime. You know, Ole Miss has got a fairly new arena. I'd like to go to that one, too. Yeah, they, they, they do. Uh, that's a really nice place. And obviously, uh, I'm a big fan of Kermit Davis after covering him at MPSU for so long. HMHS wants to know, are there any lessons for Vanderbilt to learn from Western Kentucky's two-point win over Alabama and Tuscaloosa? Uh, maybe recruit Charles Bassey. That would be a good start. But <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> No, I'm, really I'm kidding. Start. Yeah, uh, that, I think that guy is, is a really good player. That's a good Western team. Yeah, they, they are. Uh, you know, they, they're 2-2 they're two two in conference play, which is, which is crazy. They should be undefeated. They shouldn't lose a conference game this year. It's just the, the, the team is so talented, and I think this this is a year where they know they have so much they can accomplish, and I think it's in their heads sometimes. And you know, you lost to Charlotte on the road by a couple points, and lost at home to Louisiana Tech by a couple points. But I think they're they're overall just a great team. Charles Bazzi is just one of the best forwards in the country. He's a great player. He'll be a top twenty pick this next year. Uh, it just 
I think that game against Bama, they were it was a back and forth game um, from start to finish. Western ended up there. I think down the stretch, it was a wild game because I think the last play, it was I think Western was up two, and the broadcasters were watching the game from home, and Western had scored, and the the official motion for them put it on, on the scoreboard, and I guess the scorekeeper didn't see that. So on TV, it was shown it was 71-71, but Western actually led 73-73, and they didn't know what's happening. So when Western throws the ball in, the game tied, they, they just run the clock out and avoid the foul, and everybody's like, what are they doing? The game's tied. They want to go to overtime, and <laughs> the whole time they were up too, and they won that game. But the other game, I think um, Bama played really well. Uh, Western was out. Their, their starting point guard that day and still got a nice win. I think Bama is one of the best teams in the league, maybe right up there with Tennessee. Just you know, last night they played well uh, at UK, pulled out by a twenty-point win, eighty-five, sixty-five. They're five and zero in the league, and I think uh, from from that game, I saw how Western matched up with them. Obviously, Bama doesn't have a Charles Bazzi or uh, maybe a, a guard like Tavion Hollingsworth who can do it all. They have Pippen Jr. Obviously, I think Bama's going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, I saw the end of that game, too. Now, you see occasionally games where somebody loses track of a score and takes a two instead of a three or something like that, but I've never seen one quite like that. That was just really bizarre, and it was sort of put everybody in an unfair spot where the where they don't put the score up. I, I guess I know that's not official. The, the officials keep track of that, but sometimes in the heat of the moment, you get to, to thinking things, or, or maybe you look up at the scoreboard and and think that that was posted since you last saw it. That just was a bizarre end-of-game scenario. I don't think I've ever seen one like that before. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I just – I think we've seen games that throughout our lives where it's just uh, things happen that's weird. But to have a game like that, you're on TV, the, the broadcasters are at home, no one knows what's going on. And I think all the team that knew they, where they were up to is Western. And Alabama obviously had no idea. And, of course, the game just ended like that. People were not happy about that. Five Star Door wants to know any indication of when Cleavon Brown and Isaac McBride will return. Uh, that's a good question. We, we've asked Stackhouse uh, a few times the last couple of post game press conferences and pregame stuff. And uh, McBride had a nasty ankle sprain. Uh, he's out of his boot now. I do know that. He was on the sideline against a state just sitting there. He was walking around fine, but didn't warm up or anything. Uh, Cleavon, it's, it's interesting. A abdominal strain. Stackhouse said two to three weeks. I think this is the maybe the third week, maybe two and a half. So he should be back pretty soon. I don't think he was wearing a, a brace or anything of any kind. Uh, he was just in street clothes with, with McBride walking around at the last game. So I think both of them guys should be back soon. Uh, if they play Saturday, I, I could probably expect at least one of them back. But I would think within the next few games, both of them will be back. Yeah, Brown, have they ever diagnosed what the injury was? Because last time I was on a press conference with Jerry Stackhouse, and this has been a couple weeks now, I think. I think Sports Hernia was mentioned as a possibility. I don't think that they really knew what it was. Has that been disclosed? I think they said abdominal strain. That was the extent of it. I think it was a practice injury, and uh, – not sure exactly how it happened, but I think Jerry labeled it as a dominal strain, but there was nothing further on that. Yeah, the very vague diagnosis, which makes it hard to know. And I'm not criticizing, you know, you, that's the way you have to do it sometimes, but just was really hard for me to get a read on where that was going after that remark that day. Yeah, I, I think we try to ask a, a follow up on that too. He just says it's getting day by day, getting better and better. So, 
Uh, maybe if that got better and he hurt something else, or but all we know is abdominal strain. So we'll see what happens from there. Well, they need him back. I don't know that he is a starting big man on most SEC teams, but on this one, uh, to borrow a Derek Mason term, that that's scratching where the itch is. <laughs> if you put Cleavon Brown back in that lineup because they just have had so much trouble defending the post. And he is a guy who has had a tendency to block some shots at times. I mean, he was doing very well in that a year ago before the injury cost him the season. Yeah, and I think he's just a great great guy down low, too. And obviously, when you have him, maybe you have a chance, a better chance against Mississippi State. Obviously, Toe Smith's one of the best players in the league. And uh, Quentin Laura Brown does a good job, but obviously, just a you know a five point game, five rebound a game, score and rebounder, and Claymont, the guy who can get in there and uh, get get going pretty quick and uh, do some good things. I saw that one game this year where he played really well, but other than that, he's been with COVID issues or just hurt. So hopefully, they get him back pretty soon because he really does help out. Five Star Door says Tyler, great to have you aboard. Pardon the pun. Do you think our lack of interior defense is lack of execution? is in slow rotations, allowing dribble drives into the lane, et cetera, or is it lack of the right players? I think it's a, a mixture of all that stuff. I, I, not like I just said, I think not having a guy like Thelon Brown down there really, really does hurt. Uh, he's a guy who can defend pretty well. And I think you play a team like Mississippi State, those guys are really, really tough and athletic and physical. Tolu Smith, he's a guy who played at Western and transfer. He wanted to go somewhere else and not play under Charles Bazzi. He ends up going to state, steps out last year. I think he was just maybe a walk on last year, the way the way uh Rick Stansbury told me last year. And now uh obviously he's our starting starting power forward. Uh he's you know scoring thirteen and nine a game and he had a good game against, against Mandy. I think uh Gordon guys like that's tough. Quentin Laura Brown does all he can. Uh he, he has some help down there. But really without Cleavon Brown, there's really not a guy who's who who you look to and say, Oh yeah, he's their uh their, their interior defender. I think there's a lot of things that they, they'll have to – if Cleveland missed out for a while, I think there's things they'll have to do to, to make up for his, his lack of absence and just kind of uh, defend the paint a little better. But it's, it's going to be tough this year if, if Cleveland's going to be in and out of the lineup and, of course, playing at all. Five-star door says, Tyler, do you think the officiating at Kentucky was A, awful, B, hilariously one-sided, or C, both? Uh, he says, seriously, what did you think of Kentucky getting so many free throws in rough in the second half? Yeah, that was that was that was weird. I think I tweeted that. I was like, "Why so many foul calls?" I, it felt like that uh, they they just got a little whistle happy, and uh, everything you touched or didn't do or did do that they they whistled for a foul. It just it made that second half drag out forever. And I mean, we've there's games this year, the, every year where you're like, "Man, this is just terrible officiating." But that was a game where I will remember for a while because it was bad. It, it was not good at all. I'm interested to see when the season is over how home court advantages have been affected throughout the country as crowds are non-existent or very small in size. I really wonder across college basketball what the numbers look like compared to a typical home court advantage coming in. I think there's going to be some, right? Because when you're having plane rides and bus rides and those kind of things, I think there is an added element of fatigue to a traveling team. So I don't think home court advantage is gone in that sense. But is it, it is interesting to see how fouls and things are called or not called with very few fans. I'm, I'm trying to remember how many fans were in Rupp that night. Do you remember? I know you weren't there, but I can't remember if they announced that anywhere. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think they're, I can't remember what the number they're allowing. I think it's maybe eight or 8,000, 9,000. And I think there is almost full capacity there. I think it was in the eight or eight, 8,500 range, I believe. I think that's right. Can't remember okay. off the top. Of my well, head. that's a, that's yeah, a decent I I, fan presence yeah. in that case. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, obviously, you know, Vanderbilt leaves a, leaves home with playing in front of fan, you know, 30 or 40, maybe 100 tops family members and hubs and the wives and kids. And they go to the UK where it's 8,000 people. Still, it's a low crowd, but still, it's just different to play in. And obviously, I think you're, there's a home court advantage there. And obviously, you're shooting more free throws. It doesn't help out at all. Okay, Vandy fan 96 wants to know if you have a prediction about when Vanderbilt will next play a season in contention for the NCAA tournament. Ah, well, I, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not, this is a year where maybe they could make a run down the stretch and maybe upset a couple teams at, in, at Bridgestone for in, that, in the SEC tournament and maybe get a, get a, get a first game in the tournament. But I think they, they, they have the guys this year to do it. It's just a matter of fact of getting the right lineup and the right rotations. And I, I think they're, they're, they're maybe a couple more, a few more years out. I think, uh, I think obviously if, if there's a way to keep Pippen for another year uh, and not, not go to the NBA, they'll help out a lot, maybe bring most of the guys back from this year's team. I think that'd be really, really, really helpful. And I think to have some chemistry there after this year, come to next year, I think if they keep all the same guys, minus the seniors, of course, the, the same guys this year alongside Pippen, come back next year, it's, it's going to be a team that could, that could you know be preseason, maybe top 10 in the league and maybe make a run and you know win the league next year. Yeah, I think it all depends on whether Pippen comes back. If he does and some other guys take a step up and if they could land an impact transfer, I could see that being um, a, a team that could maybe get into the NIT and maybe sneak into the NCAAs if things break right. I, I would bet against, but we just don't know. I think if Pippen doesn't come back, and I'm interested to see what happens to his draft stock, I, I think unless they get – two or three just immediate impact transfers, that, that's probably just going to be hard to even get into the NIT. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're right on it there. Uh, it's just they, they've got to win a few SEC games. What do they have right now? Four wins? They still have four, I think it is right now. Yeah. They just, I know they have some cancellations there, but they would have to get – I know it's a weird year, but they would have to get some SEC wins. Uh, I know there's they'll have chances coming up. Obviously, Missouri's a team that – uh, they've been up and down. Maybe they, they could beat them. Uh, Arkansas has been tough, but they've been on a losing streak lately. Auburn's really, really strange this year. A&M, maybe a team that could beat. I think there's some winnable games there. It's just a matter of fact if, if, if they do win them. Speaking of Arkansas, if you just like to watch fun basketball, they might be as fun to watch as anybody in the league this year. Yeah, they are. Um, Western played them last year at Diddle Arena here in Bowling Green. I watched that game real good. and. I know they lost four or five guys to the NBA, some some good guards, but uh, Eric Musselman's team is really good. And they're fun to watch. They're athletic. They can really score. And I think they average up in the 80s per game. And golly, I love offense. And they're, they're a team that's really fun. And they can score it easily. Next question comes from Musa. He asks uh, for both of us, and I'll let you go first. Is Jerry Stackhouse going to work out here at Vanderbilt? I think so, he, and here's why. I I, I think um, I think the players understand him. I think because 
him being a player for so long and an NBA guy, obviously he has that NBA uh, like coaching mentality where sometimes in college it doesn't work out because you have to be more disciplined and uh, can't be as laid back as NBA coaches are. But I think he has a good mix of where I've seen him in games where he'll start out on the bench and he'll be sitting down and seeing how things go. And you can tell he's a guy who likes to coach and practice and then watch the game. He's not a guy who likes to make in-game adjustments. But I think he has this year. I think there's been games where, for example, Mississippi State, they're down 12. He calls timeout. And I saw him. He got into him, throws his clipboard down, picks it up, draws some plays out, and they come out of timeout and go on an 8-0 run. So I, I think there's good good things he does. I think he needs to be more more active coaching uh, during during the games, making more game adjustments because we've seen that that does improve and does, does help out. And I think he's a you know obviously a, a new head coach. I think this is a, a his first big opportunity for him to be you know at the SEC level, of course. And I think he's an upgrade from uh, some past coaches they've had. Obviously, Kevin Stallings was there for a long time, did some good things, and obviously just kind of went off went off there at the end. I think uh, Bryce Three was, you know, very, very young. I think I think Stackhouse is, is, is a good fit for this job, and I think just a matter of time uh, of getting better and better. But I do think that if he can keep some players and, and retain some players and just improve some categories, they'll be fine. And I think this is a guy who could be here for a few years. Yeah, my answer to that is pretty much the way it's been from the beginning. Um, I think Jerry's a bright basketball mind. I think he's a good coach. To me, it is where do you fit? Um and we will see what two years in the SEC does, but I think that it's going to be telling. Are they going to put in the effort on the recruiting trail when things go back to normal and not off Zoom calls? I think that's one very telling thing because I don't think that's been there like other staffs. And I think the other thing is going to be uh, assistance. I think he's still got a very green staff. I think Adam Mazzari is a very highly regarded assistant by people I've talked to. Um, the other guys, they may be good basketball coaches. I just think the SEC being assistance at, at this level right now is a stretch for both those guys, nothing personal. So to me, it's really about what kind of adjustments does he make? Does he want to make those adjustments? I think that they need to start resembling, and I say this with all due respect and for best wishes for the program and not to just put somebody on blast, but when you're getting paid three to three and a half million dollars a year, uh, your effort needs to be commiserate, and your processes do too with what other people do other places. So I think, I think how I'd answer that question depends on how they handle that. Uh, last question here, Dusty Orleans. This is way off the map. If you were in a Vandy sports band, what instrument would you play? <laughs> I saw that when I was going to the message board earlier. Uh, you know, I think I'd be a drummer. I think that's my thing. Uh, that'll work. Um, I, he wants to know ideas on, on, on where the rest of us fit. I don't think you know us that well. Um, no. I could see Sean Williams being a guitarist or something. I, I could see that. I know I'm not the lead singer. Um, I have no voice for, for singing. <laughs> I took piano lessons for a couple of years, so maybe there's that if I had to. But um, putting me in a band would be a real stretch. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I don't think people would, would want to pay money to hear that band. But anyway... <laughs> Those are all the questions. Anything that we didn't get into this worth discussion today, Tyler? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. I hope we get some basketball again. I hate I hate when games are canceled and postponed, but obviously we have to understand that there's still a pandemic going on and this and that. But obviously I was looking forward to Tennessee Tuesday night because that's you know, the top 10 team and top 10 matchup. But 
we'll see if they play Saturday. Obviously, I can't make that trip, but I'll be watching on TV and we'll have coverage for everybody. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think the SEC title comes down to Tennessee and Alabama. You know what? I I can see that, and I, I yeah, I agree. Uh, I think um, they're top two in the league. Uh, Tennessee's just man, they're just be, they're doing the preview on them. I just I went so in debt because they're just so good. They do some good things. Uh, Fulkerson's great down low. Uh, great guards. Uh, Santiago Vescovi's a really good guy coming along for him. Score twenty three their last time out. They're just a really good team and. Uh, Alabama, obviously, Herb Jones, John Petty, those two guards have been there for years, and they're, they're some veteran guys. And I think um, I think Nate Oates from Buffalo took that job and doing a great job there so far. So I think those are two of the best teams in the league for sure. Yeah, I think the Tennessee thing, they've got really good front court talent. But the other thing about them that I think makes them potentially a great team is their first two or three guys off the bench would start for probably half the league or more. And I think that's really key to, to have those kind of players coming off the bench really makes you potentially a special team. And let's face it, this is a year where with COVID tests and just the natural course of injuries and things, uh, and you wonder how conditioning is affected by just the pauses that come here and there. I think depth this year for Tennessee is a really good luxury to have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think this veterans too. I think both those teams, Bama and Tennessee, both have a lot of veterans, and they they can go deep on their on their bench. Uh, I think if they have their main eight or nine, maybe even a tenth guy that can come in and score right away. And that's something Bama will have to work on. Obviously, they have their they have their main two or three, and then there's it's just a mixture of who steps up when and where. But hopefully, throughout the year and going into the next season, they'll have that a more more approach where they can go. Hey, it's our top five. These are our next three, and and let's go from there. Tyler, before you go, give out your Twitter handle and tell folks what's coming up at VandySports.com with your basketball coverage, please. Yeah, you can all follow me on Twitter at RivalsMansfield. Um, I post a lot of stuff on there, usually some in-game tweets. I share all my stories on there. Any news that comes out, obviously, for both Vanderbilt and Western Kentucky, and anything else that's going on. Um, obviously, uh, no game yesterday, uh, Tennessee game, but they're supposed to play Saturday now. That preview's already out for that. I guess it's the same same story. I can just add some updates and say Tuesday was postponed. They're playing Saturday now and uh, watch it from there and go from there. Uh, think about doing a uh, three two one piece uh, today, post tomorrow, just because you know it's been a uh, about a, about a week now since your last game. Well, last Saturday night, so uh, it'll be a week in between games, so we can look back at the Mississippi State game and film and uh, kind of break down some good things we've seen, some bad things we saw, and. Uh, get that running for everybody. But then Saturday, obviously, game coverage. So hopefully we have that going on for us. Hey, Tyler, thank you so much for your time and for your coverage. Hey, Chris, always a pleasure. Thanks for bringing me on and hopefully many more podcasts to come in the future. We will definitely do it again. He's Tyler Mansfield. I'm Chris Lee. We may have another episode later this week. We usually air the Seabass podcast on Thursday. Our friend Seabass has COVID, so please keep him in your prayers his podcast is canceled for this week. We may find a guest for later in the week. Or if not, we will be back with more coverage next week on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Either way, we've got you covered. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you again very soon.